Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Bacteria are all over our world and can survive in some pretty extreme environments. So when a bacteria is exposed to a really extreme environment, it protects itself, shields itself up and awaits in spore deactivated mode until the right conditions arise for it to reawaken. But how does it know the conditions are right? And how does it undo the hard shell of armour and reawaken the dormant cell? This week we'll find out how bacteria can wake themselves up. There are a lot of bacteria in the world. If you consider prokaryotes, the single-celled organisms without a nucleus, they're incredibly diverse and in huge, huge volumes on Earth. They are the most probably significant form of life, if you want to think about it that way, with around 5 nanillion, which is 5 million trillion trillion, or 5 by 10 to the 30 of them, as a coarse estimate scattered across the globe. Now, that estimate was developed back in 2011 by researchers William Whitman and his team published in 2011 a pretty detailed estimate of trying to analyse just how many bacteria there are out there. Now, there's a whole bunch of different types of species, and because they're found all, all different places, from all the way up 40 miles in the atmosphere to deep beneath the ocean floor, and even as far as seven miles deep in the soil. They come in huge varieties of types, and they do all kinds of different things. Some of them cause pretty terrible diseases. You find them in your microbiome, in your stomachs, and you find them in soil and oceans, enabling life to thrive and flourish. Now, bacteria is incredibly important. It gets a lot of bad rap because less than 1% of those can often have negative effects on humans and animals as well. But there are plenty of them out there. Now, one of the most interesting parts about bacteria is that they can stay dormant for a very long period of time and then awaken themselves when the right conditions emerge. It's one of the reasons we find them in really extremophile locations, locations that don't make much sense. They can hang around in a dormant state until the right conditions are met and then reawaken themselves. Now, we've known for over a century that bacteria can do this with the right environmental stimulus, reawaken themselves. And around 50 years ago, we discovered what they used to sense or detect the change in the environment. But how that actually worked and then woke up that bacteria has, for the last 50 years, remained a mystery. That's what researchers from Harvard Medical School have just been investigating and published in the journal Science. Coming out of the lab of David Ruder and lead author on this particular paper, along with a wide team, was Yongkwang Gao. Now, they were conducting a series of different experiments with the microbe Bacillus subtilis. Now, this is a really common bacteria found in soil. And it's actually a cousin to the bacterium that causes anthrax. Now, this is a pretty interesting version of what can be a pretty nasty bacteria, but it's one that's very useful to study because it's relatively easy to manipulate and and we understand how it works pretty well. Researchers were trying to investigate mechanisms in which these really tough survivors, bacteria, manage to survive really tough, nasty environmental conditions until the right conditions for them to flourish emerge. Now, when bacteria senses a pretty nasty environment, they'll go into dormancy and become spores, not fully fledged organisms, just spore versions of it. And they have biological processes effectively just put on pause, on hold until they are ready 
to reawaken. They shield themselves in layers of protective armor around the cell, and they're basically biologically inert. They don't do any processing, and they just wait for the right environmental conditions. But they're pretty locked down in all these thick layers of armor, which enables them just to wait out periods of famine, shield themselves from extreme heat, extreme lack of moisture, UV radiations, harsh chemicals, and even antibiotics. This is why, in terms of space travel, we're so careful about cleaning vehicles from Earth as they go into space because things can survive a space trip pretty well. Now, for more than a century, scientists have known that when a spore detects nutrients in their environment, they get rid of all those excess layers and they reawaken all of those paused metabolic engines. They kickstart the machine again, then it goes from being an inert spore covered in a shielding layer to something that can thrive and flourish. Now, we detected how they managed to find these nutrients to realize that nutrients are out there around 50 years ago. But the means of delivering that wake-up alarm bell, that signal that triggers a bacterial revival, has been very elusive. Now, in most cases, when you're trying to signal metabolic activity, you involve genes and encoding proteins to make specific types of signaling molecules. This is how your body would do the same task. But the problem is, in a eukaryote like the prokaryote like this, which is a single-cell organism, and one that is in dormant phase, like in this bacterium, there's not a lot out there. All the processes are shut off inside of this dormant bacterium. So how does a signal detect the thing on the outside and then induce the sleeping bacteria to wake back up? Now, the nutrient sensor runner and the team discovered assembles into a conduit that opens the cell back up and turning it back awake and alive and ready to go. Now, this conduit's a membrane channel and it opens and allows ions to escape from the spore interior and out. Then this can kind of create a cascade of reactions that then undo the tough shell around the protective armor and let it resume growth. But the path that the literal conduit is taking has lots of twists and turns, just like the discovery process. Because despite the types of observations they were making and an idea of how it might work, they kept finding confusing observations that seemed to contradict each other. And piecing it all together was quite difficult. Now, when lead author on this paper, Yonkeng Gao, was conducting an experiment with this specular subulus, he started to introduce genes from other bacteria that form spores into that particular bacteria strain to see if maybe if you messed up the protein productions, you would stop the spore from reawakening back into active bacteria. But what he found was that even with these mismatched genes, the bacterial spores were able to reawaken themselves just fine, even with a set of proteins, signaling proteins, that is, from a totally distant related bacteria. This is a bit confusing because it means that it wasn't obviously a simple gene trick being used and because otherwise you could screw it up by putting the wrong genes in the wrong spots. And it's not like the signaling process and the reconnecting processing worked worse or slightly worse than normal. No, it worked totally fine, which means that, well, those weren't quite being used. So another author on this paper, Liu Atsi, was investigating how this could be possible. What if the sensor then that was being used was a kind of receptor that acts like a closed gate until it detects any single? And in that case, a nutrient will trigger a sort of rushing reaction, a bit in the same way that a transistor works. Once the sensor binds to a nutrient, the gate pops open, allowing ions to flow out of the spore. 
So you could do it with protein, but it's not the only way of doing that signaling mechanisms. So a distantly related protein would still work because even if it's mismatched with the others, it's fine. It's not kind of relying on that. It's using just the simple electric state of the spore to kickstart that iron flow. Seems weird that you can just use a protein, but not in the way you actually expect it and still have the same chemical process take place. But that seemed to be what the observations were indicating. So really to prove this, they needed to actually engineer spores with altered receptors to see if they could widen the membrane channel and even get the spores to wake up in the absence of nutrient signals. And then on the other side, they tried to generate mutant bacteria that would have a really narrow channel opening. These spores fail to have enough to open that gate and kickstart that flood of ions out from the nucleus out to the outside way that would shed all of those layers of thick armor and kickstart the reawakening process. So gate too small, doesn't work, gate too big, works pretty well, even in the absence of nutrients, so it opens up too easily. And it shows that the, the structure and the way in which this conduit channel of between the nucleus and the outside world of the bacteria, that is very important in the connections of this sensor and getting it to work properly to reawaken this dormant bacteria. Now, why is it so interesting to understand how bacteria can reawaken itself? Aside from the fact that there's so many of them around us right now, it's really important to understand how bacteria manage to spring back to life because it's really important for human health, not only for treating pathogens, but also for understanding how our body functions as well. You want to get rid of spores of bacteria a lot because they can cause all kinds of life-threatening diseases in times of particular pathogens. Now, if, especially if things that manage to survive rounds of antibiotics or other treatment, then you want to know how to wake them up so they don't stay dormant for too long and bypass all the treatments that you're undertaking against them. It's really important for things like food processing, but also medicine. So understanding how the spores sense their nutrients and reawaken themselves means you can have better targeted treatments against them, but also understand how they work in our body as well. Some great research published in the journal Science with lead author on this paper, Jochen Gao, working at a David Rudner's laboratory at Harvard Medical School. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. This week we found out how bacteria managed to wait for the right time and use certain signaling pathways and conduits to reawaken themselves when the time is right. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.